Your experience at Joy Church will be unlike any church service you have ever attended before. We are not about religion. We are about a relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. At Joy Church, you'll hear live and vibrant praise and worship music. You will be loved and encouraged. You will be confident that your children will learn about Jesus in a fun and safe environment. You'll be assured that your youth will be loved and accepted not only for who they are, but challenged to become who they were created to be. At Joy Church, God's Word is delivered through creative, humorous, and relative teaching that will help you apply the Bible to your life. There is a place here at Joy Church just for you, where you can begin to develop a vibrant and exciting relationship with Jesus Christ and discover your divine destiny. Man, we are beginning a two-part series today called Code Red, and I really love the subtitle, Learning to Look at What You're Going To Instead of What You're Going Through. This is very important that we understand this because I can promise you this, and I'm not prophesying doom or gloom, but the storms of life come to every single house. No question about it. Jesus prophesied that in Matthew chapter 7, 24 through 27, that the storms of life come to every house. But how many know if your life is anchored on the Word of God, your house will stand? Not prophesying doom and gloom, not prophesying negative times, but I'm just telling you, such is life. We're going to face those things. There's some code reds. There's some 911s. And we've got to learn how to face them biblically and overcome them. Let's talk about it today. I'm very excited about it. I think back as I was studying for this session, I was thinking back uh, to when my son was about five years old. We were on a missions trip in Jamaica. We'd taken about 50 or 60 people there, and there was some mold where we were staying in our particular unit where we were, and it really began to mess with my five-year-old son. And here it was the last a day uh, before we were going home the very next day, and I was preaching at a church there, and my son, man, he was struggling because he was struggling with getting just breath. You could tell that he was having difficulty uh, on the inside, and you know, if you ever seen somebody like that, he was really pulling just to get air, and so here I'm about to preach, and I'm watching my son do this, and how many know that I am a dad before I am a pastor? No question about it. That was very concerning to me, as you can imagine. But listen, the, the, the hospitals there, this is about 16 years ago or so, the hospitals there, not good. You go, go in a hospital there with some kind of an issue like that, you may come out without a foot. So that was really not an issue. It was not an option for us. And so I, I just talked to the Lord. I said, now, God, I'm going to have to minister here in a moment. I'm going to take care of your people. you got to take care of mine. And so we just talked to each other about that and went and ministered. We took John back to the, where we were staying. And, and, and again, he was just struggling with breathing. And, and it was just, a, again, just watching your son walk through that, as you can imagine, very difficult. It's a code red to us. And so through that whole night, 
I mean, I stayed up all night long. Maybe I slept a half an hour, maybe an hour, but I stayed up all night long and literally just spoke the word of God concerning healing over my son all night long. And I would not let go of the word of God. How many know God's word is true? How many know Numbers 23 and verse 19? God is not a man that he should lie. And when the dawn broke, then all of a sudden something happened with John, and that breathing began to return to normal. And I'm going to tell you, I was one thankful papa. We were able to take him home on the airplane and get, and get I was so, never so glad to be back in the United States of America in my life. It was a code red. They come to every house. But how many know when you do it with God and you're looking at what you're going to instead of what you're going through, you can successfully overcome any crisis in your life. Anybody in the house ever been in an emergency? You, you listen to me. If you have, you don't want to call these guys. Check it out. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us today. I am Chief Swirly of the Watertown Police Department. At 0300 hours this morning, we received an alarm. We received an alarm at 0300 hours this morning. However, uh, as some of our finest were unavailable at the time, we... Thank you, Detective Number Two. As our finest were unavailable at the time, we were not able to respond to this call until 0600 hours. At that time, we discovered that all of our toilets were missing. The security footage is in the can. We're excited to get that back. I'm eager to get to the bottom of this investigation and put a lid on it. Whoever committed this heinous crime, we will flush you out and I will drop the hammer. You will be rolled. Uh, but currently, our investigation is stalled. Uh, we have no leads at this time. I guess what I'm saying is we have nothing to go on. Come on, somebody encourage our acts of joy team. And before you get all offended at that, the Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 3, 8 and 9, we should count all things but dung to gain the excellency of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, can you encourage him? I just so appreciate Eric down here. He's one of our best ushers in the whole world, and he's from Watertown. And he has to take that abuse over and over and over again. Can somebody encourage Eric? He puts up with it because of the 118 people giving their life to Jesus Christ. That's a huge blessing. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know we all go through crisis. We all go through difficulty. Let's face it with the Word of God and overcome it together. Let me give you the key verses, Psalms 112, verses 7 and 8. I love these verses. The entire psalm is one of my favorites. I encourage you to jump in. And notice what it says. And he will not be afraid of evil tidings. Everybody say evil tidings. You understand what I'm talking about. Ephesians 6 and verse 
13 speaks about the evil day. When we walk into the evil day, what's the evil day? What's the evil tidings? When you hear a bad report from your doctor. When you hear something bad from, uh, you're about to get fired. Or you hear something about your children. And those days come to all of us. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast. The King James reads fixed. I like that. We need to have a steadfast and fixed heart in the midst of crisis. Trusting in the Lord. Ever say trusting. Now look at your pastor for just a moment. This is one of the most misunderstood phrases in the Bible. And I hear a lot, a lot of believers talk about that they're trusting in the Lord. Now, I know you got a good heart. I'm not in any way making fun of you. But how many here in church to learn? How many leaders are learners? How many know we don't need to be a know-it-all? We need to be a learn-it-all. So if you're here to learn, maybe take this to heart. Because I hear that phrase over and over and over. I'm trusting in the Lord. And when I hear people saying that phrase, I will invariably ask them, what scripture are you specifically trusting in? And I hear this all the time. Well, uh, nothing in particular. And that's exactly what you're going to get from God. Nothing in particular. When you have a nebulous phrase of trusting in the Lord. How do you trust in the Lord? You have to trust specifically in what he said in his word to you. If you're trust, you say, well, pastor, I don't know if I'm going to have enough money to pay the rent at the end of the month, but I'm trusting to all your friends. I'm trusting in pastor to pay my rent. You had better find out what I said about it. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's not just trusting in the Lord. That's a placebo effect in your life. It's what specific scripture are you trusting in? Is this helping anybody? And notice here, his heart is established. He'll not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. Now, let's break it down. As we always do, we're going to take a complicated issue and make it simple. So the next time you go through a code red... You can start looking at what you're going to instead of what you're going through. I'm going to talk to you about the crisis. Let's talk to you about some key points within the crisis. Seven outstanding outlines to overcome this crisis. Number one, how you respond in crisis is key. Let me give you some thoughts on how we respond. I'm going to give you five of them. This will really help us analyze what we're walking through. Thought number one, check it out. Crisis doesn't create your character, it reveals it. When we walk through crisis, it simply reveals who we already are. Let me show you number two because it goes hand in hand with number one. Check it out. Whatever is in you in abundance will come out in a crisis. Now, let me give you the scripture for that. Matthew chapter 12, 33 through 35. The Bible tells you and I, out of the good treasure... Of a good man's heart, he brings forth good things. And out of the evil treasure of an evil man's heart, he brings forth evil things. Without even making a conscious decision, whatever is in abundance in your heart, in crisis, will come out automatically. I taught this Saturday. By the way, if you want a little bit more room, we have a Saturday service, 5 o'clock. We'd love to have you come a little bit more room as we're balancing out those services. Help me know that's a good problem to have. 
And someone ran to me in the visitor reception room. Someone had been coming here a while. And said, Pastor, man, your message just spoke to me so big it really identified me. He said, just yesterday. I was working, and one of the materials that he uses in his work, he flipped it over on accident and broke it. And he said, Pastor, I just freaked out. And just to be honest with you, he just, and he's a believer, he said, I just cussed like a sailor. And he said, I discover what was on the inside of me in abundance because of that emergency situation. And I really commend him because he was very honest and transparent. We have to take an honest assessment of ourselves when we're walking through crisis, do we freak out or do we faith out? And if we freak out, that just shows what's in abundance in your heart. And we've got to change what's on the inside, helping anybody. Now, you're kind of quiet this morning. I'm going to try to pull on your sympathy, to pull a little more amens out of you. And let me try it, try it this way. Last weekend, did I mention it was Easter weekend last weekend? I preached three times. On Tuesday, I preached two times. On Wednesday, I preached one time. On Thursday, I preached one time. On Friday, I preached two times. Yesterday, I preached one time. Today, I'm preaching now. Not that you know. <laughs> this afternoon, I'll be preaching two more times. That's a lot of preaching for one preacher. And it would help me if you amend me. It would take me through my misery on a much easier level. So, Pastor, you're just saying that to get sympathy. Well, duh. Absolutely. I'll take whatever I can get, however I can get it. We're simply reveal who we already are. How many you, ladies in the house, you're single? Ra ra raise your hand if you're single. Come on, get it up there. You might get a date. Come on, come on. Let me tell you something. Let me, let, me, let me pastor you a little bit. Let me be your papa for just a minute. If I can, I'm a spiritual papa. You don't know what a guy's like when he comes into church because he acts a certain way. And, and listen, the better looking you are, the longer he can fake it. How many, how many men know when we can act a good thing for a long time when the woman is real pretty? Like, yeah, I love Jesus. We do that for a long time. Listen to me. You don't know who he is until you see him on the basketball court. And he doesn't know you're there. And he takes an elbow to his face. And what comes out of his mouth at that moment is what is in abundance in his heart. And if what comes out of his mouth you would not hold in your hand, don't hold his. I'm giving you wisdom. I'm giving you wisdom. Third thing that you need to know is your initial response will determine your miracle or your mess. How you respond initially in a crisis will set in motion your miracle or will set in motion your mess, depending on what comes out of your heart. What, what, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Don't you remember that whole story with Jairus? And, and, and you remember, he's on his, Jairus' daughter, is she's, the Bible says she lieth to the point of death. She's very close to dying. It's a Greek word, eschatos. We get a word eschatology from it. Eschatology is the study of the last things. In other words, she's on her last legs. She's about to die. And in, in the midst of this, here comes this woman with the issue of blood, and the whole thing stops for a moment. And then they send someone from Jairus' house. 
And he said, don't trouble the master any further. Your daughter is dead. Now, I don't know, that's the worst news you can hear. Your kid is dead. Jesus whipped around. And in Mark 5 and verse 36, he said to Jairus, fear not and believe only. Fear not and believe only. Listen to me. He was trying to make sure that Jairus didn't mess up his miracle. Don't you, don't you remember when, uh, when, when John the Baptist was born? And don't you remember her, his daddy? And the angel came and said, you know, Elizabeth's going to give birth, and she was way past her age. And, and John was like, oh, this ain't going to happen. And then John had to be struck dumb for literally months so that nothing stupid would come out of his mouth so he would mess up John the Baptist. If we didn't have John the Baptist, he wouldn't have First Baptist Church. Come on, smile at the pastor. This is a good day. There's a petting zoo afterwards. Did I mention that? <laughs> so please understand, first thing comes out of our mouth will determine your miracle or your mess. Fear not, believe only. And you know the rest of the story that she was, Jairus' daughter, was literally raised from the dead because Jairus didn't abort his miracle with his mouth. Good preaching, pastor. Thank you. Fourth thing that you need to understand, watch this now. In a crisis, don't give the enemy your words. That's, that's huge right there. Let me show you the verse, John 14 and verse 30. Jesus gives us a principle here. Watch this principle. Hereafter, I'll not talk much with you. Why? For the prince of this world. The prince of this world. Notice lowercase p. The word world is cosmos, world system. How many of 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the devil is called the God, lowercase g, the God of this world system, the God of this culture, the prince of this world system, lowercase p. So here comes the devil, and Jesus is giving you and I a principle, and that principle is when the devil is around, when the crisis is here, don't have verbal diarrhea. Because a lot of times we freak out and we say a lot of things that furthers our mess instead of manifests our miracle. Helping anybody. Next thing that we need to understand, and it really is true, put the Word of God in you when you don't need it so it comes out when you do. Now look, look at your pastor. Don't you dare take this for granted. Because I tell you this all the time. But are you really doing it? Put the Word of God in you when you don't need it so that it comes out when you do. I tell this story all the time, and it just so blesses me. Way back, I've been in ministry 40 years, and over three decades ago, I was a youth pastor. This was in 1937. <laughs> I know I look pretty good for my being 112. So I was a youth pastor many, 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 many decades ago, and we had a kid in our youth ministry. His name was David. And David had a job where he worked at a lathe, you know, a saw that was a lathe, and he was, he was working with some wood, and his hand and the wood slipped, and that lathe went right through, right through his hand and cut it completely off. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to be graphic, I'm just trying to tell you what happened. Just cut it right, just off, right, right, right down the middle of his hand. And he just, he, he just yelled out, 
by whose stripes I was healed. Wow. Most of us would have yelled this. Ah! I just woke up right there. You just, oh, there's a guy up there talking. It's amazing how you come to life when it comes to abusing me. Listen to me very closely. If David doesn't put the Word of God in him when he doesn't need it, doesn't come out when he does, if you wait to the crisis, if you wait to the emergency, if you wait to the code red, and you now you've got to run to the Bible, where's that verse? What's it say again? Way too late. Fast backwards a couple of decades ago, and I'm going to minister at a conference in Mexico. It was um, a dual national conference, one a main speaker from Mexico and, and one from the States, and I was the one from the States. And so we're in Mexico City in the airport there, and we're going to a little place called San Luis Potosí, Mexico. And it was just a little out-of-the-way place. And while we were in Mexico City in the big airport, uh, it was, there was a pretty good-sized language barrier at the time. And, and, and I had two giant suitcases. And they were filled to the brim with her stuff. <laughs> and they were heavy. They were, Kevin, they were so heavy, I felt like Jimmy Hoffa was in one of them. <laughs> How many old enough to know what in the world I'm talking about? All of you millennials, Google Jimmy Hoffa. After the service and the petting zoo. I mean, these were very, very heavy, and so we got into a line, and we apparently got into the wrong line, and it was very stressful because we were trying to get to the, uh, you know, on time and not miss the flight and everything else because we're the main conference speakers, and it was very stressful, and so we were going over the line in a hurry already, and then we discovered because of the language barrier, we're in the wrong doggone line, and so I go over here, and so now we got to take these big things, and Jimmy Hoff, and i got to run over here, and, and we have to run to a whole way down on the, in the airport and finally get up, and man, all of a sudden... I felt something in my heart not beat right. Pain started shooting down my left arm. And man, breath became short and everything in the world, everything in the world was telling me, you're having a heart attack right now and you're going to die. I said, honey, I got I to I gotta sit down for just a minute. We got on the plane. And that's a little puddle jumper plane, and, and, and there was a couple of stewardesses and a captain. No one spoke English. We're in, in the midst of, in the midst going from Mexico City to San Luis Potosí. Nobody around, no hospitals around, no nothing around. In the midst of all of that, pain shooting down my left arm. And again, just every demon and seam in the world was jumping on my shoulder. You're going to die, and she's going to marry some young, handsome guy. I, we, I, tell, I told the story to our Saturday crowd. I thought it was the cutest thing. We had a, a wonderful dinner with a, a, a bunch of wonderful people on Friday, and, and we had a really neat couple that had a really neat testimony, and I just, she's here today, and, and they've just overcome a lot in their lives, and she was so, her husband is 60, and she's 35. So how many know that's a good size age difference? How many, how, how many right now, if you're a man, you're going, right on, dude, way to go. <laughs> 
But she was cute. She, 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 she goes, yeah, they, they came over Easter or before that, and they said, they said, yeah, I think Pastor and his wife have the same age difference as we do. <laughs> that was very complimentary to her. But a cold bucket of ugly to me. <laughs> Good thing I know that my Jesus loves me. <laughs> Smack me in the head. There is an age difference, but it's not that big. <laughs> Six years, not that big. Put the Word of God in you when you don't need it, so it comes out when you do. So I'm on this airplane. Every devil tell me you're going to die. And man, I just quoted just like a machine gun. Every single verse on healing that I knew. And it was in there and it came out just because if you wait till pains are shooting down your arm, you're gonna die. So we got to the conference and I was able to preach through the whole thing. I wish I could tell you it was all just a giant miracle, but God got me through that. And about 18 months later, I was 100% healed and well. And here, that was. 30-something years ago, and I'm so grateful for God's wonderful faithfulness. Could I have a better amen? Put the Word of God in you when you don't need it, so it comes out when you do. Next thing that we need to understand about overcoming this crisis, number two, is what God did for another, He can do for you. Listen, listen, what do you mean by that? Acts 10.4, the Bible says God is no respecter of persons. And what that means in everyday language is if God did something like what he did for me, he could do it for you. If God did something for another and you hear that testimony, wow, I, I was walking through this crisis or this difficulty and God did this. If he did that for another, he can do it for you. That ought to give everybody hope. Now, let me give you a couple of thoughts about that to help you stay balanced when it comes to testimony. Because it is important. Let me give you two testimony truths. If the devil can convince you that your problem is special, it will be especially hard to overcome. You, you need to know that. First Corinthians 10, 13, the Bible says that no temptation that's overtaken man is, I'm paraphrasing, is something special, but it's common. But if you look at it as something as special, it's going to be especially hard to overcome. There have been thousands, ten thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that are walking through what you're walking through right now, even though you, you think it's unique to you. And there's been thousands and ten thousands and more that have overcome it. And if you think your problem is special, you won't. But if you think your problem is common, and I could be ten thousand and one, you will overcome it. And quit trying to counsel God. And here's what I mean by that. We, we, we provide biblical counseling here. It's free. We're not psychologists or psychiatrists. Our, our staff does biblical counseling. And, and they'll have things like this. People say this all the time. Well, a pastor, you know, here's what I'm walking through. And then, of course, we give the Bible. And that's all we can do. We just give you the Word of God. Here's what the Bible says. Well, I know the Bible says this, but you don't understand. Now, wait a minute. I know you're walking through a difficult time, but now you're doing the counseling. And did you come for this pastor's answers or his attention? And I hope you came. We'll, we'll give you attention. We'll give you love. We'll put our arm around you, smile, and hug you and cry with you. 
But eventually we've got to give you the answer. And it's found in the word of the living God. Could I have an amen? Second thing that you need to know, and this will keep you balanced. Number two, testimonies bring inspiration, but only the Word of God brings faith. Now, what do you mean by that? This, this, this will help you, and this will give you a lot of balance. If you hear a testimony about someone who's overcome something, that's great. But what you ought to do, find that inspiration from that person, but then go to them and say, what verse did you use to overcome that difficulty? Because you need to get into the Word of God. It'll give you inspiration. Yay, okay, I can do it too. But that doesn't give you faith. Let me explain what I mean. Over our life, uh, we have had the privilege of giving away two different cars to people just to bless them. We, we, we wanted to give away a couple of our cars just, just, a, just in, in an extended period of time just to love on God, put it on our heart in a very, very, very big way. And then in two different times after we gave away that car, we ourselves got blessed with a better car. Now, you can hear that testimony and go, yes, I'm going to give away my hoopty just right away. How many know what a hoopty is? How many, you, know, you, you ever see Sanford and Son, you're old enough to remember? Bam, 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 How many know what a hoopty is? If you don't know, a hoopty is a really old junky car. And if you got a hoopty, I can just see your eyes right now. Okay, I got it now. I'm going to give away my hoopty. And I'm going to get a better car. Listen to me very closely. <laughs> Please, you hear my testimony. It's inspiring to you. But don't give away your car unless God tells you specifically through his word. I hear a lot of television preachers and they, they treat you dishonestly here. Unless God tells you through his word to do it, because if he doesn't, and you give it because of my testimony, you're going to be walking to work <laughs> and missing your hoopty. <laughs> Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, meh, meh, meh. Thank you for the four people that did that in the house today. What a disobedient crowd. <laughs> Third thing that we need to understand is we're overcoming crisis together, walking through code red, not looking at what we're going through, but what we're going to, is rehearsing past victories as proof that you're unstoppable. What do you mean, Pastor? That's so powerful. First Samuel chapter 17, 34 through 37, David, as he's facing Goliath, recounts the lion and the bear that he whooped up on. That's just huge. It was proof. Goliath... You are not going to stop me because I remember the lion and I remember the bear and I am unstoppable with the Lord. Let me give you a couple of thoughts. Let me give you three on that. It'll help you. Number one, consider your history of winning as a prediction of tomorrow's victory. Now, when I say that one, I can almost see in people's faces Oh, yeah, but Pastor, I don't have a history of winning. I, I got a history of losing. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, 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 before you throw that back in my face. Let me encourage you. You do have a history of winning. You may not even know it. And le le let me explain this to you. You beat all your brothers and sisters to your mother's egg. <laughs> now, come on, biological people. How many know what I'm talking about? The very first event in your life, you were a winner. 
you outswam everybody else. You look back on all your brothers, baby. You are the Michael Phelps of sperm. So funny to see holy people's faces. <laughs> Folks, if you can't get over that, that's just simple biology. You won't have to just deal with it. Could I have an amen? You started out a winner. Trying to encourage somebody in the house. Come on, come on. That's good preaching. Second thing that you need to understand is yesterday's lion is prediction of today's Goliath. You beat that lion. Go back. And remember what God did in your life. And now, big boy, you're next. Come on. Third thing you need to know, Thanksgiving is the only thing that looks backward and forward at the same time. Backward to past victories, forward to future triumphs. Father, thank you for what you did with that lion. Thank you for what you did with that bear. Thank you for what you're about to do to that giant. I'm preaching good. This is such good preaching. I'm telling you right now, when I give the altar call and ask people, do they want to come to Christ? I'm going to give my life to the Lord. <laughs> this is good. I'm, I, 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 I could bite this microphone. <laughs> I love this. this, this, if, this is, if this isn't firing anybody up, it's firing me up. Come on. Just, you're unstoppable in the Lord. Let me give you the next thing, fourth thing. Your feelings are created by your focus. As you walk through this code red, this difficult time in your life, so many times that's the first thing to go is our feelings. That's what the Bible describes in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 13. In the evil day, have your loins girt about with truth. That's the belt of truth when it comes to the armor of God. If you understood Roman regalia, you'd understand that the belt of truth, all of the other armor pieces were connected to it. And if you took off the belt, all of the other armor pieces fell off. And that's why the enemy is after your emotions in the evil day, because if he can get you to freak out, then all of the rest of the armor will drop to the side as your life swirls down the toilet of life emotionally. So please understand, ladies and gentlemen, your feelings are created in the midst of this crisis by what you focus on. Now, I'm going to give you 12 thoughts about focus, but here's the good news. I'm only going to give you five today. I could see the panic in people's eyes. 12? 12? Are you kidding? I've got anacondas to pet right after this thing. First thing that you need to know, check it out. What gets your attention gets you. I talk about it all the time. What gets your attention gets you. Right now, Kevin is focused on me. I'm, seeing, he, he, I'm, I'm getting his attention. So that's good because I'm able to give him the word of God. But I'm watching some of you. Some of you are looking at your phone and you're not taking notes. I'm not getting you right now. What gets your attention gets you. Second thing that you need to know, check it out. Just because it gets your attention doesn't mean it deserves your attention. That's worth coming for right there. I'll never forget it. The old building uh, over a decade ago, I had a guy, bless his heart, he's been long gone. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I, 
Help me to understand, when, when, when you're boarding the train of your destiny as a pastor, you normally want everybody to get on board. But there's a few folks you just like to quietly leave out of the station before they find out. <laughs> this is one of them. He would write me every single week about my message, and it wasn't about, hey, Pastor, that really ministered to me. It was always about something grammatical that I did or did not do. Grammatical, not theological, not biblical, not inspirational, but grammatical. He's what I call a Nazi. It's a grammatical Nazi, and you literally every single week, like clockwork, had always tell me whatever I did, you know, that, uh, grammatically incorrect. No, no joke. And so, as a, you know, as a pastor, I tried to be real sweet, and so I was writing him back one day to try to help him understand, da 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 da, da and I was, I was, you know, I, because I was trying, I just really wanted to write him back and go, man, are you even saved? <laughs> but I was nice because of the halo and all of that. And so I was working a letter to write him back, and 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 da da da, da and, and I, I, I threw away a couple of copies because I didn't like how I said it. And all of a sudden, I realized 45 minutes later that I am absolutely wasting my life. And I thought to myself, when's the last time that I took 45 minutes to write my girl a love note? So I threw away my letter to this turkey and I wrote her a love note. And it didn't take 45 minutes. <laughs> I called my staff. I said, hey, staff, next time I get a letter from less and so, I don't want it. Toss it. She said, Pastor, you shouldn't toss it. Oh, yes, I should. I got 17 of these suckers up to this point. I know exactly what's going to be said. And I ain't liking it. <laughs> Grammatically incorrect. <laughs> Just because it gets your attention does not mean it deserves your attention. Third thing that you need to know is you're overcoming and you're, it's all about your focus. All failure is based on broken focus. I talk about this a lot. People don't understand this. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, remember Matthew 14? And, and, and there's, they're in the midst of the storm. Jesus is walking on the water. And Peter says, if that's you, bid me to come. And that put Jesus in a bind. And Jesus said, one word, come. And that's why we think that Peter was walking on the water. We talk about it all the time. Peter was not walking on the water. Peter was walking on the word. He was walking on the word. One word, come. Hebrews 1.3, the Bible says, God upholds all things by the power of his word. If you want your marriage upheld, put it on the word. If you want your finances upheld, put it on the word. If you want your joy upheld, put it on the word. If you want your peace upheld, put it on the word. Anything not on the word will sink, particularly in this time. And that's exactly what happened with Peter. He got his focus off come and onto the storm. You say, well, pastor, I mean, there was a storm going on. Well, all right, let me ask you this. What does a storm have to do with walking on the water? And if you don't understand that, find a swimming pool in your neighborhood on a very calm day with no wind and the sun shining and try to walk on that sucker. <laughs> the storm has nothing to do with you walking on the water. It is simply a thing that is being perpetuated by your enemy to get your eyes off of the seed of God's word within you, to get your eyes on the storm that is around you. 
And the moment that you take a problem into your heart and mind, it becomes your problem. This is so good. This is so good. All failure is based on broken focus. Number four, fourth thing you need to know, God gave you a mind to resize your experience. Now, what are you talking about, Pastor? Listen, how many understand that we've got to renew this thing, Romans 12 and verse 2. And when we renew it to God's Word, the Bible says in Isaiah 55, 6 through 8, that God's ways and, and thoughts are higher than our ways and thoughts. But it doesn't leave us there. He says, just like the snow comes down and the rain comes down from heaven and waters the earth, so does my word come down and not return void. In other words, in everyday language, if you want to elevate the way that you think, start finding out what my word says. Because my word, God speaking, will give you a different perspective on life. It'll resize your experience. But my wife comes home, you know, a lot of times she'll come home late from the church, and I work out of the home, and I hear the garage door go up, and I'm always real excited when she comes home, so I'll, I'll go down, and, and, and there's a, in our garage, there's a, 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 a little thing that we try to use to, to stop her car from going, and so, but it's kind of small, and so I'll get out there in front of her, and I'll go, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. And she'd be like, mm, you know, from her perspective, it looks like she's going to run me down. And, and there's a refrigerator right down there where I hold my shark bait. And so she, because she won't let me keep it in the real refrigerator upstairs. I got to have my own fridge where I hold them. I'm a fisherman. I fish for shark. And there's not a lot in Percy Priest, so don't panic. <laughs> and so I'll come on, come on, come on. She'd be like, mm, and look at me like, mm, and I'll come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Why, why, why? Because I have a different perspective than her. And she needs to trust me that I see something differently. And I would never let her crash into the fridge because that's where my bait is or into me because I like me. I got a different perspective. Just trust my perspective. God's word is 66 books full of his perspective. And you got to keep coming. You got to keep walking through this code red. You got to keep walking through this difficulty, this emergency. Trust his perspective. How? By knowing his word, by renewing your mind to the Bible, and it will resize your experience. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Well, two to three million Jews saw Goliath. He's too big. David saw Goliath. He's too big to miss. God, through his word, resized David's experience. Last thing that you need to know, number five, and this goes hand in hand, you can't always decide what happens to you in life, but you can always decide what is big or what is small. The difficulty you're walking through, you can, you can make a decision whether this thing is a baseball bat or a toothpick. And if you, if you allow the enemy to turn it into a baseball bat, he's going to use it to beat your head in. This is so big, you're never going to overcome this. No way, no chance. But if you resize it with the Bible and go, that's just a toothpick. That is just a toothpick. That giant I'm facing right now is just a toothpick compared to God Almighty and compared to his word. So I don't care what you're walking through today, whatever code red, whatever emergency, whatever crisis that you're going through. Listen to me. It's not about what you're going through. Let's start focus on what we're going to.